You lock those doors. Duck. It's Miller time. Dr. Miller, that is, and I'm your co-host, David Madeira, joined by the aforementioned Dr. Miller. Hey, how are you, Gordon? Hey, how are you, David? It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you. We had a great session last time. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm looking forward to uh, kicking this one around a little bit. We're going to talk about former Speaker McCarthy, who made political history. And Mm -hmm. I have to make a confession. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're starting to come around to my side. (laughs) Does that make me a bad person? It makes you a pseudo-anarchist, which excites me a little bit. Well, I don't know whether it's um, almost eight years now out of the business, so to speak, or if it's um, if it's just that it all seems like so much theater. I mean, it was it was my congressman Matt Gates who uh, called for the ouster, and back seven eight months ago when this all started and McCarthy got that position. I guess it's ten months now, whatever. No. Um, I was very happy with Matt Gates, you know, gumming up the works. Not not because I uh, think he's right about everything, although most of the time I agree with him, but just because I think the works need to be gummed up. We've got such a Gordon. We've got such a bipartisan consensus on spending money we don't have. It's shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the reason that Trump was both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, It was a repudiation of establishment thinking. Um, Unfortunately, it was a bad repudiation of establishment thinking, but at least from my perspective. Um, But it is very much a growing sentiment, and I think it's being embraced more and more as we go along. Yeah, well, let's let's just start out with that. Let's see if I can get this to to display here. And we'll just just listen to the... um, to the actual moment that this, this historic moment. The nays are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. And uh, good news, <laughs> as far as as far as I can tell, that that seems like the the right thing to do. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, it was one of those things that um, it was one of those concessions that McCarthy had made early on that they could uh, take him out um, with a single vote. And you know, from a political perspective, it probably was a bad move on his part. Um, from the perspective of the American, you know, the typical American citizen or from, you know, maybe the, the, as the, as the corporate media often refers to it, the far right within the house, it was a very, um, uh, powerful, uh, yeah, ability. Joe Rogan, the far right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's, it's funny how, uh, some of those labels have been applied. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, it, it is really, momentous it's kind of fun to watch yeah it's uh it's something that's never happened before and i can't imagine how embarrassed kevin mccarthy must be at this point um i actually just read something earlier today that he's uh he's probably gonna be retiring uh from congress yeah 
because what do you what do you do at that point right like yeah um and if politicians weren't such horrible creatures most of the time i would actually feel a little bit of sympathy for him some empathy right yeah Yeah. Um, it's it's this is the game they choose to play yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a dark thing it's a weird thing but Well, isn't it, isn't it though? I mean, I have been kicking this idea around for three years now that we're, we're in the period right before the second civil war. Mm. And I know we've kicked this around before, but this is, these are the kind of things that happen, historic things, things that have never happened before. I just heard a story the other day about the negotiated, settlement on i can't remember which president it was but there was a presidential election that wound up just sort of being decided by the house they just split the baby and i can't i can't think of who it was but you know american history is full of historic i mean that was pretty much that was pretty much george bush wasn't it no 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 i mean no no this was the real deal like this was a real i'll look it up but this was a this was a real election that they kept going back in the house and trying and trying and trying, and they couldn't. And they negotiated a deal. Yeah, that was. And they George said, Gore. "All right, that was that was Bush Gore." It was no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking right after. Um, oh, it, it was the end of Reconstruction. The end of Reconstruction. Gotcha. It was the deal. It was the deal that ended Reconstruction. Mm, that would have probably been. Um, was that? I don't think that would have been Grant. That might have been uh, Grover Cleveland, perhaps. I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, who, interestingly enough, was a quite a, quite a good president. Uh, he was from very a, good from, from a libertarian yeah. perspective. Um, he was. Uh, he was very. Much it was. A, it was called the, the corrupt. Here it is. It was called the corrupt bargain, or the compromise of 1877, or the great betrayal. It marked the end of Reconstruction, and it returned uh, to home rule. The Compromise of 1877 was reached to settle the disputed 1876 presidential election. It was a secret deal that the Republican Party candidate, Rutherford Hayes, would become the next president, and the Democrats would retain political power in the southern state governments. Uh, Hayes promised to withdraw federal troops from the South if he became president. So when they talk about you know, things that were unprecedented. That was so unprecedented, but we're both, you know, political animals. We don't even, we don't even remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the election, there was a point where I could name all the U S presidents, uh, but it's been a while since I've looked into all that. Yeah. But, and I, I, my wife and I were just talking the other day. I might know four governors. I might know four hmm. U.S. governors. There was a time when I knew every single governor and and hmm. all of their backgrounds. So I guess I'm making a confession that I don't uh, – it doesn't make me an anarchist or an anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> but, but I don't – Apathetic, I don't, at least. <laughs> I, th- I think it makes me more normal, Gordon, because hmm. I don't spend all my time thinking about politics. And I think most people don't. I think that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, now, I, I mean, it's this dangerous. is well, and this is this is kind of the argument from an anarcho-capitalist perspective, whether or not you agree with the philosophy or not. But that the majority of your energy should be focused on your individual life and what your interactions are with your local organizations, your family, whatever it is that you uh, hold actually dear. Yeah, hundred percent. Your heart. The, the the idea that we spend 
so much energy and so much time every two to four years obsessing over who the next president is going to be or who's going to control the House or the Senate is in a lot of ways really unhealthy. It's, it's almost necessary because of how much power they wield and how much influence they have. But it, and it's interesting. I mean, you can get into the um, and it gets into issues of voting, which I have my own thoughts about that, what the actual effectiveness of being involved in that political process is. Um, but the, the bottom line is it really shouldn't be that big of a deal in the first place who what the outcome of the next presidential election would, will be. Um, it should just be a non a non starter, right? Uh, you mean it, you mean uh, just a, a, a perfunctory thing? If the government was limited enough not to be like dominating our yeah. whole lives, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't, if if the if the president didn't have the power to impact your life in a real meaningful way, you wouldn't care who the president was. Right? Yeah, or <laughs> in the case of our topic today. Who the speaker is like that should not be an important matter. No. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and who knows who's going to take over next? I know McCarthy is already like, like we said, he's already talking about just leaving Congress. He's not going after it again. Uh, the names I've been heard thrown out are uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise and uh, some of those individuals. Um, I, I, I've I've seen Jim Jordan involved in a couple things, and he's. Uh, and he was interesting in the um, in the House um, set, uh, subcommittee meeting on freedom of speech with RFK Jr. RFK Jr. I yeah, I really like Jim Jordan. I think he's been I think he's been really good, mm-hmm. and i i would I would like to see him as speaker. I think this is this would have been a better decision right from the beginning. And this whole this whole mess with uh, with McCarthy being out. I mean, it was a setup from the beginning. He agreed to let any one person call a vote on him. Yeah, that's the weakest speaker we've ever had, and I don't say that in a positive or negative sense. I just mean that was incredibly weak of him yeah. to set that up that way. Just a it bad, was, just a bad uh, power play on his part. It's like a guy who goes into the boxing rings, but he has his hands down, you know, yeah. the whole time. But I understand the mechanism of it. I mean, he was trying to bring a fractured caucus together because they, they, they have the thinnest of margins. You mentioned Trump. Um, I've been looking at the statistics on this and while I'm, you know, I voted for Trump twice and I'm a fairly big fan. I did not, I did not vote for Trump twice. That's yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, you, you and Vivek Ramaswamy didn't vote at all. So, you know, (laughs) you could run for president, but, um, but I, I voted for him the first time very reluctantly and very much at the last minute. And it was a vote against Hillary Clinton. I was pleasantly surprised with most of what he accomplished in the first three years. Uh, Of course, the Supreme court picks being um, one of the more substantive, although the point has been made that 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 would have been any Republican, no matter who the Republican was, they were going to pick someone or several uh, very conservative candidates. It was basically up to the Federalist Society who the nominees were. Mm-hmm. But um, but then, of course, the fourth year of his presidency was just an unmitigated disaster. He led the charge for yeah. the explosion of the explosion of the deficit. It's it. Well, and he, has, just... and he has, and he has, and it's both a strength and a weakness of Trump, right? He has this huge ego that got him into the presidency, 
Absolutely. But it's also what his biggest weakness at this point that he can't admit that he did anything wrong. Anything. He's, yeah. His 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 whole thing is winning, right? And even when I screwed up something, it wasn't me that screwed it up. It was somebody else, or you know, pinning it on somebody else. And it's just a yeah, and it's not really poor it's quality not news because that's in the art of the deal. That's exactly what he says. Yeah. You know, act like you act like you meant to do that. You know, if you fall, say, well, I meant to fall. It was a prat fall. And, um, <laughs> and it, he's, um, now he's just become such a vortex. And I commented today that, you know, people, when they're asked by pollsters, do you, do you want, uh, to have Biden and Trump as the nominees? They, they, the, the numbers are pretty, f- uh, strong saying, no, they don't. But then when you ask them who you're going to vote for, if they're Democrat, they say Biden. And if if they're Republican, they say Trump in large majorities. Right. Well, that's <laughs> that's contradictory. Right. So I guess maybe it's not so much that I don't care about politics as that I don't care about national politics mm. as much as I used to, because I think it's actually I think it's actually almost over. And I, yeah. I don't mean country, but I mean, national politics as the focal point. Uh, it's just not working anymore. Yeah, well, and I mean uh, that's that's hopefully an optimistic viewpoint. Um, you, we we start moving to to a more localized level of governance and uh, a de facto uh, rather than a de jour. Uh, you know, de facto being how things really are. De jour, what's you know the letter of the law. But if we have a sort of de facto uh, localized governance where most of the important decisions or most of the relevant decisions are made. Uh, closer to you, you have a little bit more impact and the national political scene doesn't matter as much anymore. I mean, I'm hoping that's the way that, that a lot of these, um, that, that a lot of new technological developments will bring us to, as well as some cultural developments. I, I think you're seeing a lot more desire from that from both uh, more uh, traditionally right-oriented uh, states and more traditionally left-oriented states. Uh, just the desire to kind of, hey, can we stop you know, beating each other up and can we just kind of do our own thing and can we leave each other alone? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's certainly a segment of the population that feels that way, but I, I think both on the right and on the left, there is a, there is a really strong desire to exercise national control. I mean, you, you don't think the Democrats are just going to like, Oh, okay, well, we'll just let Florida. No, of course not. I think do their thing. That's, that's not what I, that's not what I'm saying. I, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think the Biden administration would go for that. I don't think the Trump administration would go for that. These are both two very authoritarian regimes. What I am saying is that the cultural will to listen to these individuals is dropping more and more. And people are getting more and more fed up with national elections. They're seeing every election, it seems like it's a little bit more ridiculous. I mean, for crying out loud, this election, we have uh, a senile man with dementia going up against a tyke uh a millionaire like you know bill billionaire yeah bill, bill, well billionaire. maybe i mean who knows <laughs> he may um, be broke well but you know the, the guy that's under like you know regardless of what you think about the legitimacy of him and i have my own doubts about all of that too but yeah i mean uh, it's but, obviously but, political but but he's been indicted how many times right and there's a good chance that you know regardless of whether it's right or wrong he's going to be in jail by the time yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's so, I think that's likely. So it's it just an insight. It's a bonkers election. Um, but I did want to bring up this idea you had mentioned a little bit ago that you had voted for uh, 
Donald Trump is sort of a vote against Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And um, my wife and I uh, are both involved with the Libertarian Party uh, here in Luzerne County and um, also sort of incidentally Lackawanna County in Pennsylvania. Um, it's a pretty small party at this point, but um, but the Libertarian governor or Libertarian candidate for governor of Pennsylvania was at the meeting the other night. We unfortunately didn't get to go, go to that, but we were able to go to uh, cookout for the Lackawanna Libertarian um, Party. And the Libertarian candidate for governor, Ken Krawchuk, he's been running in that position, I think, for the last eight years or something like that. And he basically uses it as a speaking tour, right, to push some ideas. And yeah. uh, and um, he was he actually brought up an idea, because I was kind of asking him, what are you hoping to get out of this run? And he was like, well, a couple of things. And the first thing he was talking about was um, a different style of voting. So we've talked about, there's, there's a lot of different uh, voting systems out there. You can have just a simple majority. You could have like ranked choice where you basically rank uh, the individuals uh, that you want. Um, a bunch of different things have been thrown around, but there's this new one that's been thrown around that's quite interesting for, for a couple of reasons. It was developed by a libertarian statistician. And as I understand it, I haven't dug deeply into this beyond or my conversation with him, but as I understand how this would work, would be that instead of a uh, ranked choice or you get a single vote to vote for this person or that person, you would get three votes, one, uh, two approves and one disapprove. And you would have the option to assign that those two approves and those one disapproves to anyone in that particular election. Um, if a and this allows you to actually vote against somebody, right? You get to vote for somebody and vote against somebody. And I don't think you even have to use the two approves if you don't want. You just want to straight up vote against somebody. You can, you know, disapprove of this person, right? Um, and the thing about that is if you had less than zero approval, you know, each approved vote would give you one point. Each disapproved vote would take away one point. And if you have less than zero points at the end of that election, then you're ineligible to be whatever the, or that, whatever office that might be. Um, this particular uh, system has been apparently been tested uh, in the, or I don't know how they came about to figuring this out, but apparently if we had had this system in the 2016 election, uh, neither Donald Trump nor Hillary Clinton would have been the president, um, which, which, because <laughs> everybody hated them, right? Everybody was, everybody yeah, was a good Yeah, well, that's stuff. what I mean. We keep saying we hate these people, but then we elect them. Oh. Well, it's because of what you just talked about, right? A lot of these, a lot of the times it's voting for the lesser of two evils. Well, you know, it's one of my favorite sayings is if you, even if you, if you vote for the lesser of two evils, you're still voting for evil, right? So what if you could vote against evil? That's the... But I didn't feel that way in the governor's election. Like I, I was very, <laughs> I was very happy. The first time I voted for him in 2018, I was I w I just figured, well, I'm I'm going to vote for him and he's going to lose because, Gordon, my candidates always lose. I, you know, I was for Ted Cruz, I was for Al, uh, for Alan Keyes. You know, I mean, I just always pick the loser. Um, and then the second time, I mean, this guy has uh, Ron DeSantis. He has turned the Republican legislature into a printing press he sets an agenda they develop the legislation that he wants and then he gets it passed mm -hmm. and then he signs it i'm and, not as and, go ahead i'm sorry 
And when and when when they when he doesn't like it, he vetoes it. Yeah, I'm not as uh, excited about Ron DeSantis as you are, but I do appreciate the fact that um, it is an opportunity that a lot of Republicans in Florida feel like they're actually winning uh, in, in, a, in a sense. And well, and at the at the state level, that's where these decisions are better made. I understand from your perspective, they're made, you know, in the neighborhood. And I'm, I don't actually disagree with that. But right now, the state is far less powerful and far less uh, mm. um, able to impose its will on the nation than the, than the federal government, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, like what happens in Florida stays in Florida, right? Yeah, That's, we're moving in the right direction. And, and you know, there is a, there is a um, bit of, um, what's, what's the term I'm trying to think of? Um, self-selection. Uh, that individuals that sort of identify more with the political the current political environment are moving to florida and those that don't seem to be moving out of florida and uh re sort of congregating in, in other states in texas or california or wherever it might happen to be um texas is an interesting one because uh everybody kind of assumes it's a red state but it's uh the the, the natives of texas are actually kind of making a blue state the reason that the state of Texas has stayed red is because of all the people flooding into that state right now. Um, yeah. So it's, it, you know, who, who knows where the state of national politics will go, but you did definitely see the rise. And I mean, and, we, and you even see this sort of playing out, right? Florida and California are radically different places, despite, and, and Pennsylvania for that matter, are radically different envir institutional environments, despite being part of the same country. And I think those differences are going to grow more and more acute as time goes on. But I, so is, I did, this called, is this called range voting? Is that what this is called? It might be. I'm not really sure. He didn't give me a name for it when we were talking. Okay. But, but I do know it was developed by a libertarian uh, up here. And okay. that's why the reason he was pushing it. And apparently it, it would uh, it would basically give you, it would, get, it would give third parties a much stronger uh, voice. Because sure. It allows. Yeah, I mean, it would require very significant changes. Yeah. Well, and I think that's yeah. why it'll never happen, right? Because there's yeah. too many entrenched interests in letting a system that doesn't allow Republicans or Democrats to win. But yeah. But it's but it's an interesting thought experiment, and it's you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not just because it's unlikely to ever exist as it, it's like anarchism, right? Just because it's unlikely to ever exist within my lifetime doesn't mean I'm not gonna have. Well, and I, I think I think we, I think it's fair to say that uh, we can no longer say that. You know, we just had. I mean, the whole topic of our conversation is the ouster of the Speaker of the House, something that's mm -hmm. never happened before. So, if that can happen, what else can happen? And I think we are in one of those times where the mm -hmm. rules get rewritten, just just like they did all the way back in 1877, where they basically just made it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it gets back to this fundamental point, right? Rome didn't last forever. The United States of America has been around for 200 and almost 250 years. It'll be 250 years uh, in about three years. Um, and I think the Roman Empire lasted for, what, about four or 500 Something like that. I know the collapse is usually dated towards like the end of the 400s AD, some like 473 or 476 or something like that. Um, and you know, I mean, a lot of people will point to uh, 
barbarians invading and things like that. And, you know, the inability, but honestly, what it was is they, they spent themselves into a uh, collapse, right? They, they, their economy tanked. They weren't able to keep their citizens happy. So when the quote unquote barbarians came in, the local populace was just like, yeah, we'll listen to you. We don't really want to listen to them anymore. They're not really helping us anymore. So. Well, and I'm I'm getting that sense when I go out shopping or when I talk to people about money. People are just like, "This is this is crazy. We can't we can't afford to live. Like it doesn't matter how much you make, it's gone." Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I, I went and bought windshield washer fluid, one gallon of windshield washer fluid for my truck. Mm-hmm. It was over six dollars. Mm. Wow! Yeah, I, I don't have anything to compare that to. I don't remember really buying that very often. Other than I don't, I don't either. But I, I seem to remember that it was one dollar. Wow! Okay. I seem I'm... to remember that I used to be able to spend like a dollar, a dollar fifty, on a and I, and I know from the business that I'm in. I mean, our our numbers are up 20, 30, 40 percent, mm. and and we're not. We're not doing better, you know, financially. We're not making larger profit. That's what we have to do to make ends meet, to not no. go out of business. No. So, so I mean, that that can't, again, like the Speaker of the House thing. And that this is everybody from the establishment was all over my congressman. Matt Gates always oh, just fundraising. He's just, you know, he he doesn't really care about spending, and that and I think that's fair. I found out during this process that he voted for the CARES Act. I don't know how familiar you are with. Yeah, the that CARES. was that was the thing during the Trump administration, giving out. But the money. it was it was a, an, it was part of the reason why there was so much money to cheat on the election. There was there was just a ton of money available to uh, fund all kinds of rule changes and special interest groups getting involved in the election and the balloting process and vote collecting and ballot harvesting and all that stuff. And my congressman voted for it. And now he's saying, you know, well, we got to stop all this crazy spending. Well, that was that was a really big bill and yeah. he voted for it. But that notwithstanding, I think he's right. We can't just keep pretending Right. That this is all okay, right? Well, I um, yeah, I you know I have my own thoughts about Matt Gates, uh, and I think a lot of that, a lot of the political posturing is probably accurate. Uh, that being said, uh, I give him, and I don't like a lot of the things that he stands for. I mean, he's kind of he's pretty, way too hawkish for my taste. Uh, I mean, we have our own disagreements. No, no, he's him. no, no. You're <laughs> thinking of somebody else. He's very much anti-war. Is he? Mm. I, might, I might have it mixed up with extremely else. yeah extremely. Um, so but but yeah your point about um your point about uh, re- the republicans kind of like having a uh being somewhat hip- hypocritical about public spending and we'll see that probably play out again if they ever do manage to take back uh the white house or anything like that um i just sent you a video if you want to go ahead and pull that up that one's it's a it's an amusing video that came out uh, i don't know how many it to me it's in your Facebook Messenger, okay. um, and it's a yeah. I can play it. It's a video from a comedian, uh, parody songwriter, uh, Remy. Uh, if our listeners aren't familiar uh, with that, he works with uh, Reason TV, but he is honestly a libertarian treasure, and he tr- and he, he did is. this. Yeah, he's he great. Funny. He he, uh, he is 
he is very funny. Yeah, let's uh, let's watch that. I have to yeah. I have to bring it up in the in the uh, feed here. Hold on a second. Go ahead. This, this particular video came out um, <laughs> right after the 2020 election, uh, kind of uh, poking fun at the hypocrisy of Republicans on spending uh, and the national oh. debt. <laughs> okay, uh, here it is. Oh wait, N- now here it is. Joe Biden will be the 46th president of these United States. I let that tea party quicker than a poisoned Russian opposition leader. When my party took back the White House and I became a cheerleader. For the same trillion dollar deficits, four years I said we should end. Guess who's about to start caring again? The ideological differences I'm about to start caring again You'll hear me well, you'll hear me scoff, you'll see me faint You'll hear me talk about how this spending's needing to go While for the past four years I didn't care Our fiscal policy looked like a Mr. Beast video Cause when the president gets rich Us politicians get the itch to just defend our team's well and soul Yeah, that's that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much Matt Gates. Yeah, <laughs> nah, it's it's great, right? Like, I, I mean, I I honestly thought if uh, if the Republicans do somehow manage to take back the White House or Congress or anything, we ought to just start blasting that video like crazy and really holding them, them to the fire on that. Um, the, you know, the Tea Party, the whole Tea Party phenomenon actually turned a lot of Republicans into libertarians because of exactly what happened when Trump got elected, right? Uh, the A guy that's associated with the local libertarian party here used to be a, a staunch conservative and he's told he's told both uh, Michaela and I that the reason he swapped he swapped parties and actually became a libertarian. Sorry, my dog is unfortunately whining in the background right it's now. It's all right. <laughs> we love our dogs. Yeah, everybody uh, loves their dog. Murray Murray is a good little boy. Um, he told you what? But he he told me that um, we were uh, that he was he was all on board with the you know. He saw the Republicans got elected. They took the White House. They took the House. They took the Senate. And then they immediately turned their backs on uh, repealing Obamacare. And he was just like, I'm done. Like, what's what's the point of all of this if you're just going to go back on your on your word? And you have every power in the world to do this. Why should we listen to you anymore? And I think it's a lot of the, the way that a lot of people feel yeah. about Trump. It's like, look, you had every opportunity in the world to fire Fauci. And yeah. stop all of this nonsense, but you actually let it. I mean, you have to take responsibility for that. Yeah, that's maybe, how I feel. That's how I'm, I feel. I mean, you know, he he didn't do it. He didn't do it. No. Um, and I think we need to stop putting so much faith in these political leaders. I mean, getting back to 
Kevin McCarthy, I mean, whoever the next Speaker of the House is, it's not going to make a world of difference. Uh, it is very interesting from a, from an historical perspective that he was removed, but the the agenda still. I mean, we, we they're still going to have to debate on the spending caps, and I mean, what's yeah. the incentive for the next Speaker of the House to? not cave in the same way in a lot of the same ways that Kevin McCarthy. Right. All the, right. All the structural stuff is still the same. There's no, there's no difference there at all. Well, and I'll um, tell you one of the things that was really disappointing for me was, you know, I, I like one of the few politicians that I have any use for whatsoever is Thomas Massey. And um, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was back. Was it back during the, wait, are uh, you souring on Massey? No, I'm not souring on Massey. I, I love Thomas. Oh, Massey. He's awesome. He, yeah. He's awesome. But I, one of the things that was a little disappointing, and I can't remember what the specific issue is, but I remember it was like back in May uh, or June or something like that. He had the opportunity to halt something really momentously, and he basically just didn't do it. And I was just like, and, and, and I, I'm drawing a blank on exactly what it was, but I remember being really disappointed with his uh, vote on something or his uh, position on something. So. Well, I mean, I think they all have to get out after a couple of years. You just have yeah. to. No, because it's so it's so disconnected from this is why the Oliver Anthony uh, song was so popular. Right. Because mm -hmm. it, it's just the way we all feel. They're so disconnected from our life. No. They have no idea what it's like. No. You can hear my dog. Sounds um, like you better go feed the dog. Yeah, I think I think he needs to go out. So we'll sounds probably... like sounds like that might be more important. That's actually <laughs> probably a good way to end this, right? Is <laughs> just the recognition that you know that you know our lives, our our dogs getting fed are probably far more important than most of our political discussions. His uh, his whininess is much more impactful on me right now than anything that happens right. with Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy whining. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for enjoying another instance of Gordon Miller Time. For more on this podcast, please check out our website. It's gordonmillertime.com. Also, contact us via hosts at itsgordonmillertime.com. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Substack, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, please join us on the next episode for further discussions that will help you question your assumptions, explore new ideas, and think more entrepreneurially. And thanks for listening.